Welcome to series two of my podcast stories of unconscious bias. I'm Smitha Tharoor. In series one, I had the great privilege of hearing stories of unconscious bias from some wonderful people about a wide range of topics. I laughed, cried and was moved in equal measure. I started this series because I wanted the listeners to realize that we are not alone. All of us have similar stories. They may not be the exact same, but when we hear them, we can hear the parallels in our lives. My speakers have all shared their learning and how they manage their unconscious biases, which is also a wonderful life lesson for us. Series 2 will follow the same style of interview. I hope you enjoy listening. I'm really lucky today because I have got a very interesting person I'm looking forward to speaking to. I've got Dr. Basha Mukherjee. Basha is the current reigning Miss England and NHS frontline worker in the battle against the COVID-19 pandemic. So I'm very grateful that Basha has taken time out to talk to us about the unconscious bias. Welcome Basha. Hello. Nice to hear from you as well. So Basha, unconscious bias, that's what we're talking about. What do you understand by that? Um I understand that there's quite a few different forms of it and it's something that uh, we're not aware of but uh, you know we form opinions on the base basis of it and you know our actions sometimes are you know based on on this bias and it's well it's, it's sometimes it it can be positive and other times it can be negative that, that's all i can say that's great because very often uh, when we think of the word bias we are often thinking of the word bias in a negative way and mm-hmm. um, and you're so right it could be positive or could be negative and mm-hmm. and of course it's unconscious and you you don't you don't know but when mm-hmm. i was introducing you basha i was automatically having um, my own perhaps unconscious bias jumping in because i'm mm-hmm. looking at these two words written next to each other in front in front of me dr basha mm-hmm. mukherjee an nhs doctor and the current reigning miss england and perhaps and i could be wrong Uh, many people might look at these two as an oxymoron as one is contradicted to another because surely mm-hmm. a medical doctor who's out there working with patients cannot be the same person who comes on stage and represents the country in terms of beauty and other aspects of of uh, a, a, a front facing a different kind of front facing skill mm-hmm. um so i just found it very interesting that i have had the privilege to meet you and you are both so it could be that other people have similar unconscious biases and i'm just wondering when we talk about unconscious bias what kind of stories can you share with us um i think i'd like to start with my own unconscious bias that i had um you know going into miss england um in a way i wanted to you know exactly do do what what you said you know break the stereotype of of people assuming that uh, you know beauty pageant queens are just beauty without any brains in a way and it was a very conscious effort of mine to try and fit into both boxes because growing up i had uh, i i i used to you know get bullied at school for being a geek and uh, you know i knew that i had to change that narrative and you know in a way become more appealing to become more appealing to To, to be sort of more appealing to both the worlds the smart people and you know um 
you know, the, the, the current youth and stuff, I, I decided to go ahead with this particular route in my life. Um, but, you know, in terms of uh, my personal unconscious bias that I had, I remember going into the Miss England competition, being told by my organizers, because we, we have regional organizers who uh, take part of all the semifinals and stuff. And they, they literally said, oh, you know, just go take part. The Asian girls never do well. That's literally what I get told. And I basically got told you're not going to win because the Asian girls don't do well. Um, and I, I remember being at the competition and confirming this bias. Um, you know, every time um, I felt low, I sort of resorted to this um, this story in my own head, uh, which I was, you know, confirmation bias, which was I kept thinking, oh, it's because I'm Asian. It's because I'm not white or Caucasian. You know, um, every time there was uh, all the different rounds, uh, quite a large majority of these rounds were won or being won by, you know, girls with blonde hair. A lot of the girls there were with blonde hair, lovely skin, everything, and, and Caucasian, standard Caucasian girls, except for, you know, the clearly objective rounds like the vote count or amounts raised for charity. Most of the girls that were winning the rounds were Caucasian. And in my head, even even till the very last, like top five, I knew for sure that it's going to be a Caucasian girl, and we knew who it was going to be. It's going to be a blonde-haired girl, um, and I had con like basically had a confirmation bias for the whole competition, and I had assumed oh, through the whole thing that it's it's set up, you know, it's clearly racist, and they're never going to make an Asian girl win. That's how I was thinking. But of course, I got proven wrong, and um, you know, um, I am here in front of you as Miss England. So as, that's that's, a, that's delightful. That's delightful, Vasha, and and thank you for for being so honest with your with your own uh, um, early upbringing, and of course later the Miss England story. Just kind of for my own my own understanding and learning from what you've just shared. Uh, growing up, um, I mean, you know, we have to state facts for facts. You won the Miss England because you are a very beautiful woman. And for those of you who don't know, please do Google Basha Mukherjee Miss England and you will appreciate what I'm talking about. But but growing up, you would have had the good looks, but you were known for being a geek because you were a bright child, you were working very hard. Uh, and, and it's very interesting that you made this conscious decision. See, very mm -hmm. often we can hear stories about children being bullied and uh, and, you know, how do you work with that? Because this is being bullied, being called a geek and being, you know, being, being made to feel lesser than as a child. And so many of us who have been bullied would would, would know what, what you have went through at the time. And mm. many of us may not have had the, the inner strength and courage to turn it around and say, hold on a minute. Yes, I'm right. Yes, I want to be a medical doctor. But guess what? I'm going to use my other assets, too, rather than hide that behind a bushel. And it's also very interesting that you talked about blonde girls and, and, you know, white, blonde, beautiful women with lovely skin who you assumed would win. And very often when we when there's a stereotype about blonde women not being bright, and I can bet you there are many, many blonde women who are extremely capable, bright and more. Um, but just because of the color of the hair, there is a there is an expectation that that's all they're about. And mm. It's interesting because you you did not feel because you are of South Asian descent. Uh, for those listeners who don't know, Basha Mukherjee is a very much an Indian name. In fact, I would guess that her, Bengal, her parents are Bengali. Um, mm -hmm. But equally, um, 
Fasha Mukherjee is a British uh, citizen born and brought up in England and therefore should be no different to anybody else. But because of what the people were saying to you, the organizers round by round, you started believing what they were saying. So it's actually really interesting that these two stories that you began to believe in confirmation bias, as you so wisely put, and so you kept looking for reasons not to uh, not to prove themselves, you know, prove yourself wrong. Surely mm. I'm not going to win. So tell us mm-hmm. a little bit more. I want to visualize you there backstage when when you when it was announced. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I had assumed pretty much that it wasn't going to be me. I uh, I could see from the girls that were winning and doing really well in the rounds, they. Um, I just had this feeling that, oh, it's going to be a Caucasian one, um, woman who's going to win. It was really difficult for me because I opened the show because I reached top three for the talent round. And the talent round was the very first first thing to be shown on stage. And I opened the show. And there I was doing Ghumar, which is a Bollywood song, in my Bollywood outfit. I felt so low about myself I had no family members in the in the crowd and a large part of the crowd was Caucasian in Newcastle you know and I just felt so low I just knew that well I know it's not going to be me because how is how is anybody in the judging panel going to be able to um, understand uh, anything about the dance I'm doing or anything like that you know so I, I kept thinking through each each of the rounds that it's not it's not going to be me because of these reasons every time and uh, right up to the top six um, I remember I was really happy that I reached the top six and I had a chance to at least say what I wanted to say because that was a question and answers round and I knew that you know if anything I reached top six and I gave an answer that I wanted to say and that that that's how I saw it. And we were all holding hands backstage and um, we were all sort of pointed to the girl that we thought was going to win, a blonde, uh, blonde haired, beautiful woman. And we were all going to, you know, we were all supporting her saying, you're going to win. And then they said my name. I literally, (laughs) I literally (laughs) said, what? (laughs) I I was in so much disbelief when I came onto the stage. I couldn't stop crying on stage and thinking about my family and everyone whose blessings that were with me. But it was completely a shock to me. It is so beautiful, this story. And I, I mean, I'm there with you backstage uh, and also in the audience watching you do the dance, the Bollywood dance in your Bollywood outfit. And what is so powerful, the story that you've shared, it's not just about you being Miss England, because for us listeners, those of us who are born in another country but are from another origin, say an Indian like you and I, um, certainly, I was born and brought up in India, but my children, like you, are born in, in the United Kingdom, in London. And there are so many people like you, Basha, whether they're Indian or Pakistani or, 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 or um, you know, um, Nigerian or any mm. other nationality, where they are born in London to parents from another country, and they're mm. confused about their own identity. And mm. they're not sure that this country that I technically belong to will even see me for what I am, will mm, even understand mm. what is Bollywood, what am I doing on stage, what is the strange mm. outfit I'm wearing, and mm, the self-belief. Mm. That's what I'm hearing from your story, which I think is fantastic. And I hope the mm. listeners are, are, are also taking away what I'm taking away. This idea of self-belief and identity, when you are not white, 
and you are born in a country that is predominantly white and how do we see ourselves in terms of our identity and our culture and yet fitting into two different cultures some fantastic, powerful stuff there. Plus, of course, I can see you standing at the back with your mouth wide open thinking, good Lord, did I really win Miss England? So congratulations yeah. on that. <laughs> um, brilliant, really brilliant. Um, so, and of course, I mean, on a more serious note, we're speaking at the moment when the COVID pandemic is is taking over the world. Um, mm. And you're also extremely busy doing your Miss England duties alongside mm-hmm. being a medical doctor. Tell us a little bit mm. about that and what country of unconscious biases have you cleaned from there? So um, I'd say, you know, of course, I get a lot of support from my co-workers and it's fantastic. It's f- fantastic being in the hospital that I work at, which is, you know, um, it's just a hospital. Nothing too exciting happens there, as you can imagine hospitals are hospitals at the end of the day and it's in a small town that I work at and of course from the very beginning of my journey as uh, as a doctor I feel it was almost um, through rose-tinted glasses that I had my whole journey because I won my crown the night before I uh, started my job at my hospital so for me um, I think my first job has been almost sugar-coated because of the lovely uh, appreciation and the little comments that I get, you know, it's, it's especially the nurses and the cleaning staff and the, you know, the food, um, you know, the, the lunch ladies, the dinner ladies, they recognize me and they, you know, they say things like, can I have a picture with you and stuff. So, of course, my whole experience as a whole at the hospital of being both Miss England and a doctor has been largely positive. Um, but it does come with certain negatives in the way that there's extra scrutiny of everything I do, which I don't feel it's fair sometimes that why should I be scrutinized and my actions be so scrutinized um, when some of my fellow colleagues might be raising similar concerns. You know, um, just to give you an example, of course, with COVID-19, some of the things that have come up is you know, staff members not being happy with uh, with PPE, some of the government policies, things like this. And there have been other staff members who openly talk about it on their social medias and other platforms, and especially even in the corridors and elsewhere. I'm sure they talk about it in their homes. But uh, there's been an extra scrutiny and, you know, even even to the extent of like the big bosses getting involved with anything I would say in the media and trying to sort of make sure that I say the right things. Um, and I understand that they have to obviously protect the, the image and thing of the, of the trust of the NHS and all these things. And I am a public figure, but uh, it sometimes does make me feel like that it's unfair that I get scrutinized so much for my actions because I am a public figure in Miss England, um, you know, and therefore, my rights as a human and, 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 and as a citizen are sometimes in, in a way overridden um, because I have to really watch what I say and I can't have that freedom of speech that I'd like to. Do you see what I'm saying? Entirely, yeah. And it's really, if we, if we, if we use the word unconscious bias, it's about uh, the people, uh, you know, the senior employees in the NHS and the hospital that you're working at and how mm. they their own unconscious bias are kicking in 
Um, mm-hmm. And it's 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 this. I mean, I'm making it up. Perhaps I'm wrong, but it could be that their unconscious bias is suggesting that you have you are a public figure. Um, mm-hmm. And it, it could be true, in, in my opinion, not just a public figure, but a public figure is also uh, in terms of winning a beauty pageant. And therefore, mm. um, you know, are, are you good enough to be trusted? Yes, you pass the exams. Yes, you become a medical doctor. I, I'm entirely mm. making it up and I may, may, mm. may be wrong. But mm. so they're thinking and looking at you, you know, you were looking at work with rose tinted glasses, but they're looking at you with different kinds of glasses, wondering Will this person do the job that all other medical doctors will do because mm. of the experiences that she has had mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in not just in the public face, but, but, but specifically for the fact that you won this England? I, I do wonder. I'm just throwing it out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, all of us listeners can have their own opinion and thoughts because that's the beauty of unconscious bias. Um, it's our stories, our narratives that will that will impact without us even realizing. Mm-hmm. But but tell us more. Um, you know, can you share some more stories about uh, either either working within the NHS or perhaps something else personal, where you can you've recognised unconscious bias? Yes, I was really thinking about uh, this unconscious bias, um, and uh, because we I knew we were going to talk about this today. And the thing about unconscious bias that so often it's unconscious. It's really difficult to really you know, uh, you know, reflect and think about times when we have uh, been unconsciously biased towards situations. Of course, I can think a myriad of situations in the past throughout growing up. Um, Of course, you know, I'm sure you might have experienced this yourself that at the workplace or at school and stuff, you sort of gravitate towards people of the same ethnicity as yourself, or even the same skin color. And even if they're not, then you know, um, something something that you have in common with them, um, which for me, I've I've had a great relationship with uh, with with Pakistanis, with African people, um, Nigerians, and uh, Jamaicans. Well, because it's that you know the ethnic minority uh, commonality that we have, and um, that's that's obviously a given situation. But uh, more recently, I'd say we were doing a um, Miss England heat. So this was before COVID. Um, we were doing uh, some of the semi-final um, semi-finals. We were doing some elections for them. Girls were coming in for auditions. We were selecting candidates to go forward to the semi-finals in a way. So um, I didn't have an active role in choosing the participants or the people that would go forward. But uh, for me, I did look at a contestant with more liking, let's say, than others. And that's because she was an NHS nurse. And as soon as she said, oh, she's a nurse and she's an NHS worker, my face lit up. And I think in a way, the organizers must have also um, drawn that parallel between, oh, the current winner is is an NHS worker and, you know, the national pride that goes with it, you know, with working in, in the National Health Service and stuff. I realized that, yes, I was unconsciously biased towards this girl. I just saw her as kinder and all these things because I knew she was a nurse. And I'm not sure if that's always a bad thing, because when we think of someone's profession, we sometimes instantly think, um, draw certain you know assumptions about them. That might not always be true that all nurses and all people that work in the NHS are kind, lovely people. 
there's of course ex exceptions to the rule but uh, to me I think a person's job does say a lot about them um, especially to get into a field like nursing or medicine you have to show certain traits to even get through in the interview process or the you know the various different field um, you know tests that you have to do so I think it's there's both a conscious and an unconscious bias that I had at that point. Ah, that's uh, that's delightful, uh, and uh, I mean both aspects of the of the story that you just shared is is something that I've certainly researched and read about, which is called social identity theory. Essentially, mm -hmm. what 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 these two gentlemen who did the research way back in the late seventies, what they're saying is that we in modern society, we instinctively, implicitly, what we do mm -hmm. is we identify, we categorize, and then we mm -hmm. compare. And mm -hmm. so um, essentially what you were doing with both examples, you know, when you were growing up and how you instinctively, without realizing it, you, you know, veered towards friendships and making friends with people who were of the ethnic minority, whether they were black or whether they were South Asian, it didn't mm -hmm. matter, but they were not white. And it just, without even realizing it, you just felt more comfortable. So you were mm -hmm. identifying and categorizing. And then of course you were a group. And similarly was profession. So whether it's a color of skin or gender or profession or um, religion or anything, um, we do we do this football teams, whatever. We, we without realizing it, we either warm to somebody or or or, or a, a situation. It could be a person or a thing, or mm. it could be the opposite. And so when you heard that this lady was a nurse, it was entirely instinctive. So that's a that's entirely true about unconscious bias. And we all do it. And I'm sure our listeners are thinking, oh, God, mm. I do that. I do mm. that. We, we, we all do. We can't help ourselves. It's just how it is. Mm -hmm. mm. Absolutely. But, but um, so, you know, you've had some, some fun learning, I bet, uh, both within the hospital and within your, your um, year of being Miss England. Because I imagine you have to travel and, and, and do, in inverted commas, good work to represent the country. Am I correct? Because us listeners don't know enough about what that means once you must one Miss England. What does that look like? Uh, yes. So, um, you know, the, the best thing about my particular experience has been, as compared to some of the other misses um, that I know through Miss World, um, is how much autonomy I've had over my journey. I remember winning the contest. And as I say, I had work the next day. And my biggest worry was will I be able to go to my first day at work? Because that's a very scary thought, missing your first day at work and, you know, creating a bad impression with, with your work colleagues and your bosses and things like that. And I remember backstage, the Miss England director, she, she said, yes, absolutely. And, and she said, you don't have to quit your work. You don't have to change anything. This is your journey. You do with it what you want to do. And I got the choice to 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 sort of really veer this whole journey in the direction I wanted it to. Um, at the point where I wanted to take time off work to prepare for Miss World, I had full support from the Miss Miss England team and uh, equally from my medical colleagues. And I wanted to uh, represent Diabetes UK and start a health education campaign for my project. I got full um, autonomy over my choice of charity I wanted to support, how I wanted to ex execute it, everything. So, um, and then of course, after Miss World, I got quite a few travel opportunities. 
And I basically had a plan if COVID-19 wasn't going to happen. I had been invited by several different charities to visit several different countries of which I've already visited Africa, Turkey, India. And then we had Pakistan, Bangladesh, Sri Lanka, Mauritius and several other countries, you know, all lined up for the rest of the year. And it's not very usual for Miss England to basically spend almost half a reign outside of the country doing work and humanitarian work, not even in England. But I got full support with that, you know, that uh, at the end of the day, this was my year. And however I wanted to, um, you know, utilize this time, I, I got full um, capacity to do that. Um, and yes, I, I was I was in India recently and we, we did quite a lot of humanitarian work in India um, up until the point where the lockdown happened and I got stranded there. Um, and in fact, it was a very strange coincidence of unconscious bias that helped me out of back out of that country um, rather, rather quickly, actually. Um, would you like me to talk about that? Yes, please. Yes, please. Um, sorry, one second. Yes, so um, essentially, I got stranded during the lockdown period, and being Miss England, my I had a I had a little bit of an extra advantage that um, I could put my story out there to the media. So I did, and the Miss England team helped me with this. And within a week, um, the British Embassy had picked up this story. And they were trying to get me on a flight. Um, this was a special flight, which was mainly for the German nationals. And a very few, um, you know, there was a handful of British uh, uh, citizens who had managed to also get on this flight. But they got me on that flight really quickly. Um, within the space of a couple of days, they had secured me, a, a, you know, a position on this flight. It was a lot easier for me because someone else organized it for me. You know, I didn't even have to reach out to the British embassy. They had seen my story and they knew that I was a doctor and Miss England and in a way a public figure. So they had gone ahead and done this for me. On the other hand, my mom, even though I flagged it up that my mom also needed to get out of the country, she was stranded in Delhi. Um, she had to wait three weeks before she could get a flight. I had to wait one week, you see, and she had to actually physically, you know, keep messaging and emailing them and following the page, which was giving, you know, directions for how to get on a flight and things like that. So for her, she didn't get the same sort of um, help in a way that I got. And I wonder if, if part of that is because, you know, I'm a beauty queen and, um, and, and a doctor, and, you know, I was appealing to the government that I, I want to return to work when I get back home. So, yeah, that, that yes, was an active that, example. That, I that is an active example of unconscious bias. Um, unconsciously, implicitly, you were more important than your mother, let's face it. Uh, but, but I mean, I wish we had lots and lots of time because I bet you have many, many stories you can share with us, Pasha. But, you know, you have had many experiences, lots of reflection, because that's just the kind of person you are. What kind of top tips or learning have you given yourself and you can maybe give us to on how do you handle your unconscious biases? I think the the biggest takeaway I've had is to not let it affect your actions. 
of course, some of your behaviors might be affected and and the way you handle a situation might be affected by the unconscious bias because at the end of the day, it is unconscious. But as I say, for Miss England, my biggest learning was that I was nearly not going to take part in that competition. I nearly quit because I got told that I'm Asian, so I will definitely have a reduced chance of winning it. And for the whole competition, I kept feeling, should I even bother to to work as hard or anything like that? And I believe that I could have even worked harder if I really wanted to. But the thing is, is that I didn't quit and I still went ahead with it and I still um, put my best foot forward. Um, in my in in the best way that I could and, and this is something that I try to you know practice in everyday life so I've been a model for eight years and you know of course sometimes you'd get the whole um, the budget of a shoot might be a lot less than other times and you know some people that I used to work with they would put a lot less effort into those shoots and you know I never approached it that way I knew that for me, I was represent, uh, representing my brand. It didn't matter what the budget of the shoot was, how good the photographer or the videographer was. I needed to set my standard and keep working at that same level, regardless of, uh, of that. So I try to, as much as I can, minimalize my actions based on my unconscious bias, um, especially in, in, in the experiences I've had. So I, I'd say the same for others, actually, you know, sometimes you might you might assume that something's going to be a certain way and you might decide not to put in so much effort for that or however, however you decide to act. Just take a step back and just pretend you didn't know that information that you've just you know, allowed to affect your behavior and do as you would have done if you didn't know anything about how what it, what you know now. That, that's what I would say. I oh, that's like excellent, that. excellent advice. Two things there, self-belief and, of course, not allowing your unconscious bias to kick in, to, to, to think that that's not as good as the other. Uh, uh, extremely good advice that I think all of us should, should uh, wisely listen to and, and try and follow. Dr. Basha Mukherjee, Miss England, all the very best. Good luck for the NHS work that I know you are carrying through. Thank you from all of us for being uh, there to take care of us and our health and our worries while this COVID epidemic is going on. And you are one of the people we all clap to at 8 p.m. Um, on a weekday evening in, in the United Kingdom. So thank you for that. And of course, thank you so very much for having this conversation with me on The Unconscious Bias. Thank you. Thank you for listening to my podcast, Stories of Unconscious Bias. If you enjoyed hearing this episode, do tune in every Saturday for a new interview. And if you could share, leave a review and rating, that would be hugely appreciated. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter, at Smitha Tharoor, and feel free to suggest new guests. Until next week. <laughs>